Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs, and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. Man, I am so glad you're here. Um, Having a really, really good week this week. My name is Matt Browning. If you, this is your first episode ever, and we have this week, every single week, twice a week, we bring an awesome entrepreneur who's super driven in their life, driven for good reasons, and has some stories and some life lessons along the way to share with you. This week, I have uh, a really special guest. I've been waiting for months. I think we've had this book for months and months, and so excited to have one of, I, to me, probably the foremost female entrepreneur out there in the world, Miss Allie Brown. Uh, she is uh, obviously one of the most recognized entrepreneur coaches. She's been named the entrepreneurial guru for women. I'm sure she loves the name guru, but hey, someone named her that from Business News Daily. She has over a quarter million followers all through her website, her podcast, her social media. Um, the host of the Glambition Radio Show, which is just gaining huge, huge traction. We'll talk about that and what it's like to podcast, what it's like to run a radio show. Uh, she's been named uh, one of Inc.'s 500 fastest growing companies, Ernst & Young class of entrepreneur winning women, uh, numerous, numerous awards. She's a spokesperson for Chase's Mission Main Street Grants program for small business. And beyond that, she is also the Glambition Radio. Let's talk about that. Is one of the nine podcasts every female entrepreneur should listen to named by Inc. Magazine. You've seen her all over the media on TV, radio, print galore. That's enough for me. She's also married to a really cool Australian dude. She has great twin, uh, little twins that just turned six. And I can't wait to find out more about her family. Anyway, Allie Brown, come on the show. How are you? I'm going to hire you to promote me. You're fantastic. I, you know, as speakers, I always think, wouldn't it be cool if we could always walk in every room with theme music and someone introing us? You know? Oh my gosh. Have you ever, have you ever spoken <laughs> on stage too and you get like a really bad intro and you got you to gotta pick it up? You have to kind of redo it, but without sounding like you're trying to talk about yourself. It's kind of weird. Or they, yeah, they pulled something old, like 10 years old from some old website. <laughs> and they Love started it. sharing that. Like, <laughs> but like, that was fantastic. Very nice uh, job. Well, thank me. you. And thank you for making the time. I know you're a very, very busy woman. You have a lot going on. Um, so can we jump right in? I want to find out just, I don't know, more about you that maybe that I can't just read. Um, you... Well, let's talk about your family real quick, if that's okay. Is there anything off limits? Absolutely. No. I didn't think so. We, just no. be, we should have been rolling tape 10 minutes ago, but you said uh, <laughs> you talked about your, your cute little twins just turned six. Um, what, what's your lifestyle like as far as like entrepreneur, mom, you're running a huge business, uh, married to an excellent guy. What does he have going on? What do you have going on? And what is life like with the twins at home? I'm going to give you a, a funny flashback before and after. So flashback to... Gosh, like like ten years ago, I'm living the high life in L.A. You know, I'm I'm single, having a great time, and honestly, you know, I always love kids, but wasn't sure about the family thing. I just couldn't meet the right partner. I'm like, well, you know, I'm just gonna let the plan work itself out. We'll see what happens. And then uh, I love sharing the story because I think it gives a lot of people hope. You know, if they've been waiting, I met Brett when I was 41 and got pregnant naturally with twins, and. Um, you know, it was just the biggest blessing in my life, I have to say. It required a lot of re-engineering of my lifestyle. <laughs> so now we're in Scottsdale, Arizona. We have a, a beautiful property. I moved my mom down here with us. She lives in the casita in the back. Um, 
you know, and, and it's interesting, it brought a lot of changes that I wanted to create. And I think life has different seasons. So, you know, my, my, my work life now is a lot different. I think if you add up what I work each week, it probably is about three days a week. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a dance you have to learn with this whole family life when you have, it's almost like an alter ego. Like, like I joke with Brett some days, I'm like, I have to be Allie Brown today, you know? And then some days I'm the mom who loves to cook all day and play with the kids and jump in the pool. And, you know, I don't think there's one right way to do this, but we all have to kind of figure it out. Fascinating. And, and, you know, I, I find myself in different, but similar. I have an eight-year-old boy and most you know people listening, you might know that already. His name's Val. Very uh, interesting personality. And I find myself, you know, that same thing where it's like, I'll be out speaking in front of hundreds of people or I'm doing, you know, the national podcast. And then, but then I'm also, I was cleaning my gutters this morning and I'm just doing this like regular dad stuff and yeah. picking them up from school and, and just doing those things. When, is it weird ever like over the last several years when you find yourself in those two places or is it just kind of that, you know, you get used to it as a superhero. It's like, Hey, it is what it is. Ever, yeah. I don't know if you ever work it out. And I know for, for me, especially I have like incredible mom guilt. And so um, and there's been moments it's all happening. I remember about to walking on, I was about to walk into a TV, TV interview. This was just like last year and I'm getting texts about diarrhea, you know? And so <laughs> like, this is, this is parent this is life, urgent. You know I mean? like getting texts from home. Like it's still not better. Should we go to the doctor? Like, you, you know, this is just kind of how it is. And I think, um, I think everyone just works out their own system. And I don't know, you know, most of the women, uh, most of the clients I work with, with are women and, and the ones I coach are typically doing over a million. So they have very successful businesses. It's, it's so cool to see them doing it all different ways. A lot of them have uh, reached the point, their partners have said, listen, I'm going to work with you. This is great. You know, now we have the freedom and lifestyle. Some of them, um, the partner, you know, the, the guy stays home with the kids. Some of them are both working. It's, it's an interesting time that I think we need to be a little easier on ourselves because we really are this first generation to have these opportunities. And this is all new navigation that we're dealing with here. You said something interesting that, you know, it is an all new, an all new uh, area, a new platform. And can you, can you speak to something and maybe it's a little controversial, I don't know, but in, in a lot of the media, the Twitter world, the celebrity world, um, the Me Too movement and, and Trump marches and all this, these things that have been happening in the last couple of years, really, almost a, a civil rights reinvention, sort of a, an environment, right? It's like a culture like that. How do you see it as you're a successful woman, um, you're raising a family, you're but you spoke about freedom. And that's why I wanted to ask that. Mm. How mm -hmm. do you, because I feel like sometimes the world is wanting us to pick a side, right? Which side of the fence are you? And who are you for and who are you against? How do you see that from kind of a freedom perspective, if that makes any sense at all? I, I love, I love this question. And, and I think we're, we should just go there. <laughs> let's talk, let's talk about it. Yeah. I, I want, I it's, want people um, mad and happy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about a lot of the stuff happening right now. And I'm also terrified. I have to share you, um, with you because I think, um, a lot of great stuff and I'm, I can just speak from my perspective as a woman, a lot of things needed to be corrected. There are a lot of bad, there's a lot of bad behavior that need to be called out. Um, you know, things needed to be fixed. And I think we're in a time of like this incredible, it's all happening so quickly that it feels like it's all around us. And, you know, I, I was joking on um, a different show that I was doing that I said, I have outrage fatigue. There's, there's just so much outrage and it's all happening at once and it's all around us in the media. 
that I think there's kind of this outrage attitude that is, is trickling into things that it doesn't need to be there. And, and there's a lot of whining. There's a lot of whinging. Um, and I'm, you know, I don't have an answer for all this, by the way, but it's just, you know, I'm, ma- I'm making these observations going, this is going to be very interesting because you have everyone squawking about this and that and this and that, and you can't say anything anymore um, without offending people. And, um, you know, I think what I've just had to do is like, look at, okay, this is my, these are my people. These are what they stand for. And, and those are the conversations that we have. And we have conversations around doing things our way. And as women focusing on leading, I work with leaders. And so it may be a different conversation, a different dilemma than, than other people listening. But the women I have in that room behind those closed doors, we know that our best power is not in complaining right now, but in, in leading and doing great things instead of just complaining. It's almost like when you said outrage fatigue, it, people are outraged if you're not outraged about everything. And I love your perspective, which if I boil down to something I heard from you is rather than focusing on all the different things to be outraged in, um, just deciding, listen, if I'm going to have a voice and you know, people like you, you have a voice in the media and you have a voice on social media and you have a voice to the people you speak to. If you instead, you just say, I'm going to have a voice where I'm going to focus on what I want. I'm going to focus on who we're leading. And that's what the focus is. And there's a lot of things to be outraged about. There's a lot of things that need to change, but that's not for me to like, I can't change everything. I can't have an opinion on everything. Oh my God. And if we look back even in our, you know, our history, now we're dissecting history, right? In our country's history <laughs> and every, you know, you can't mention anything because at that time, rightly so at that time, some people were very compromised and, 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 or, you know, there's, there was points that, that women like were property. I mean, just all, all this stuff, if we go back, there's going to be a time, including now that, that the year was a crappy year for somebody and there were some things were very unjust. And, um, yeah. And, and listen, don't get me wrong. I think, you know, everyone has to pick their position and their platform and put their passion into something. And, and I'm, I applaud the people who are, are jumping into a lot of these issues. And I'm like, that's great. I am just so sensitive that I literally, there was a point that I could not read any news like a year ago. I really had to shut down everything because I feel, don't you feel kind of pulled? You read a headline, you pull in, you're like, oh my God, that's terrible. This is terrible too. Well, that's kind of crazy. Don't agree with that. Like it just takes all your energy, takes all your energy. And so I think we need to be more selective with our energy. We're being force fed a lot of information, a lot of information and a lot of stuff from the media. And so I'm not here to to pick a, a side on this show right now, what I want to encourage you is you need to take charge of that time. You need to be very conscious of your energy and decide what am I creating today? What am I creating with this business? What am I creating with my life? And what is my legacy work going to be? That's where I'm trying to pull people. And, um, you know, we chat a bit before the show too about, you know, that's, it's one of the things why I started getting back to smaller events with the people I work with um, to really get them to focus because there's no focus outside those doors most often. And let, let's let's talk about that for just a bit because just before we started rolling tape, you you and I were you know just kind of sharing seminar stories and speaking stories. And I think what year did you start really speaking and doing workshops? Gosh, well I'll give a quick. Um, so I started my first business 20 years ago. And if you guys want to read the whole story, you know, you can go to AllieBrown.com. But um, I really started getting into um, workshops and speaking and all that. I'd say 2005. 
Okay, 2005. So I was around, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the glory days because social was not here. Social ruined everything. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's amazing, but like I'm telling you, we could send out three emails and make like a hundred grand. Like email was awesome. Like it was a different time. It was a different place. And now you have to almost email 10 different ways through every different channel. People get it. Yeah. Send a carrier pigeon and, and do buy ads. And it's just, it's just nuts. It's nuts right now. So, um, so I started doing bigger events. The events were a lot of fun. I love teaching live. It was very profitable. And so, um, I mean, the peak of like our, our biggest events we had, I remember selling over $2 million on coaching from the stage. We had, um, I hired, um, at one event, I hired guys dressed up as cowboys to carry out the applications and then carry me off stage. I mean, we had fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. I rented out Tao, the nightclub in Vegas, so all my women could dance. I mean, these, these were great events. And then, you know, you have a lot of fun with this. And then the industry was changing. And I started, and, you know, met Brett started to think about, okay, this is serious. Now I'm starting a family. Um, I want to, you know, slow down a bit and think about what, what really is this about, you know? Um, and so, you know, I've, I've taken this turn to doing smaller events because I find people are just craving that. Oh, they're craving that high touch right now. now being, being that you know, you've spoken and, and went on tour and done these seminars for, you know, coming up on 15 years and I started a year after you in 2006 and we like, we've done so many of these things. What do you think is the major change? And I want to, I want to bring up specifically in the expert coaching, speaking seminar world. So anyone listening, if you know that whole, whatever you want to call that, right? The the expert space. um, I I feel the same thing. I've been seeing a lot of leader friends of mine that are uh, colleagues in the industry, you know, ran one by one. They're putting up posts saying, you know, it's been nine years and I've done this and it's been 12 years and I've done that. And now Mm. I feel like it's a season change and I've seen that so much. And in my own life, my own business right now, there's a new season change. And I'm going from, for me, big was a hundred to 300 people usually. And I'm looking at, yeah, same thing. I want to go to smaller, something more intimate, something different. Um, And specifically just to call it out, I want to go away from that whole here's a three-day event that'll blow your mind and lead you into this whole yep. idea of a big timeshare sort of presentation. And, mm-hmm. and I'm the first like to admit it, I, I've done hundreds of those. And oh, so I often- it worked too. Yeah, well, very, very <laughs> powerful, right? But what do you see going on now? That's a long way to ask. Yeah, how yeah. do you see the industry and how do you see it changing? And mm-hmm. what are you kind of doing about it as a business owner to not be- uh, left behind and kind of, you know, doing that, Hey, the old thing, let's do it. Let's do the old thing harder and, and bigger and try to uh, get it back again. <laughs> exactly. And that seemed to be the only solution for a while. Cause I was seeking advisory too. And I was asking, and they're just like, Oh, you've got to do more events and more of this and more of that. And I have to tell you that, um, not only did I run into this, but some of the women I coached, like, you know, it, uh, my adrenals were exhausted. I was starting to to be so tired and having health issues from trying to you know, a work like a man, literally women are wired differently. And that's a whole other show we can talk about. There's, there's science behind this. We have to work a little differently. We'll bring that on the Joe Rogan um, show and talk about it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then two is when, you know, I I think a lot of us were just freaking burnt out. Like, you know, we do the same thing for a while and, and it's very natural, you know, to, to be aware that it's, you may want something different, but now let's look at the industry few things happen. Number one, social media changed everything. It complicated the formula. 
it brought insane amounts of people to a platform, you know, and, and look, the great thing is like, everyone has a voice. And then the downside is everyone has a voice. <laughs> everyone has a platform. Everyone can start to be a coach expert. So you had this mass market saturation. I liken it to the real estate um, bubble when that burst, because what you're seeing happening now is you had all these people coming in unqualified. Remember your crazy uncle was flipping houses and you're like, how are you doing this? And during that time, and, it, and so there's all these people, no one's checking ID at the door. There's all this, this mess, this sea of people. So you, you have no choice but to realize that a lot of the methods, sadly, that are still being taught, this is what gets me upset. Tell me. These 14-step funnels and that you need to do a four-part video series and stuff that like I was sitting in the masterminds with these yeah. guys 15 years. Um, you know, we could talk offline later, but like I was in the mastermind with these guys when they came up with this stuff, right? I was in these rooms all over the country. Often the first women in some of these masterminds had to suffer through lots of, talk about me too. I mean, way before that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Inappropriate jokes. And I mean, we had fun though. And it was, most of them were good guys. Um, so you have this, like all these forces kind of happening at the same time. And what I really want to urge people to do right now is you have to think differently. So everything you're seeing on the surface, everything that you're hearing is working. You need to question. You need to get to know people who truly are making money, maybe more quietly than some of the people yelling. There's nothing wrong with quietly making a lot of money, by the way, and not yelling about it. And two pieces of advice, niche down and position up. People are terrified of niching. And the word sounds like you're going small. It sounds like you're limiting yourself. And I want to challenge you on this, though, that you're getting clearer. You need to get clearer in who you're talking to, what you stand for, and what you are delivering. Okay, so, so a session with a good coach, this is half the stuff I do. When people walk in my, my door, they often have a successful business, but something may suddenly, for example, this just happened last week, talking to a brand new client. She's like, everything that just worked for 10 years stopped, like last month, her Facebook ads. They're, they're suddenly not working. And, and you're going to see a lot more of this because technology is changing and the government's clamping down on social media. Social media is clamping down on advertisers and they're, um, you know, rightly so, trying to get rid of a lot of the hate stuff going on and terrible stuff. Yes. But it's so challenging. I had a client who couldn't use something like the words um, other women in an ad. She was trying to say, come join other women who are success-minded like you. And there was something about other women or the other word. I, they're just looking for anything right now that, that could possibly be um, discriminatory. So it's, it's crazy. So niche down and try to, this is like, I'm sorry, this could be a whole show, but um, I think, look at doing things very differently. I had one client, for example, take her whole model offline. She, she had burnt out online. So she gets some leads online, but then takes the whole process offline, mailing stuff, in-person consultations, changing it up. So I mentioned niche down, position up. Positioning is when you become so well-known for something and so clear, and it's so obvious and evident what you do, that people will come to you. They will find a way to come to you. And, um, and I hope that's clear enough. I'm, I'm really condensing it, but a few things to think about. What are some elements when you talk about positioning up? Because I, first off, I firmly agree with you. Um, I think, I think that niching sometimes is scary, but at the same time, it's also, well, it's scary because people feel like now I'm going to miss out on the clients. And 
I'm curious what your take is on this too. So do you still do a lot of, uh, a lot of speaking live, like seminars and events for at other people's events, or do you do less of that now? I do less of that. Um, but you, but you still do some? Yeah, I do. I do some. So when you go out to, I've always, like when I go to a live stage, say there's 500 people in the room, I think, okay, if I go and I'm the super niche person on something, I'm going to cut out a bunch of the people in the room. Yes. Yeah. But you're that's, saying- That's a good question because, okay, you know what? I've said no to those types of events because here's the conversation you get into. They're like, well, what do you have to sell? And I said, <laughs> nothing for your people, <laughs> but I want to come tell them the truth and they, they don't want that. So um, yeah, that's an interesting question. And here's where the ego starts screaming inside you, right? My ego was having a hard time because I'm like saying, I'm looking at this opportunity. Everyone would be talking about the fact that I'm there on stage, big deal. And I had to really take a breath and look, okay, I'm, I'm leaving my babies to do this. This is a big deal. If I do this thing, this truly happened. It was a big thing in California that I got this thing. After we, we just moved here, the twins were like six months old, you know, and, and I had to really think about this. And, and I said, no. And I had people even calling me saying, I heard you dropped out of this thing. And I said, it doesn't make sense for my business. These people are not my clients. And, and it's like, no one could get their head around it. It was the most bizarre moment in probably my career that I'm talking with people and who were very educated, smart colleagues of mine who did not understand that I was saying no to an opportunity because I had now gotten very clear who those clients are. And this is where everyone stops. They can't handle it. They say yes to anything <clears throat> and everything that comes up because it's exciting. You know, a lot of these opportunities are exciting. You feel part of the cool kids. You know, you want to be on these stages or at these events. There's a real turning point that you've got to turn up that courage in deciding what is your path and how that is going to be different and being okay with that. Man, that is, I mean, you're, I feel like you're speaking exactly to me because that is exactly what has been happening in the last year. You know, I've, I've turned down, I don't want to say this from an ego standpoint at all, but I've turned down probably more gigs and, and opportunities than I've taken for that very reason. Um, yeah. After we moved to Michigan, I thought, okay, hang on, this is a big deal. I have a family. Am I yeah. going to leave my wife? Am I going to leave my son? Am I going to fly across the country to LA? Am I going to, you know, the day before, yep. two, two nights in a hotel, just speak to this room of whoever it is. Clients. <laughs> yeah. And some of them are going to be my clients. That's, that's the right. wrestle, isn't it? Like right. some of them in there, like any room you went to, I'm sure there's going to be, there might be one or two or 10 or whatever, but it's like, oh, I got to let those go. And instead I need to turn my attention somewhere else. Can, yeah. you, can you talk a little bit about, um, I don't know, maybe the, the courage to make the pivot and then maybe some application, some real life, like how do you make that pivot oh. to turning into your niche, leaning into it and, and actively going after it and I think that's maybe what, what, what I'm really asking is when, yeah. we, when we take in anything and we're more of a general practitioner, I think the opportunities are easier to find, right? It's like people mm -hmm. ask us or whatever. But when we start turning things down and we try to lean into a niche, there might be less opportunity seemingly available or obvious. How do you go after the things more intentionally what you want? Yeah. Typically, in, in my situation and most of my clients, there's a portion of your current market that you're not paying enough attention to. And there is something that many of you have heard of. It's called the 80-20 rule of Pareto's principle. 
And, and Pareto was an Italian economist, and he looked at his garden and realized that 20% of the pea pods were generating 80% of the peas. He started applying this to everything. He's like, would this work with the economy? Would it work with traffic? It works for my closet. I wear 20% of those clothes 80% of the time. Look at your business right now. I bet there is 20, something that is 20% of your clientele, 20% of your efforts, 20% of your team is generating 80% of the results or could very, very easily start really. And here's where, sadly, a lot of people come in my door and they're not clear in their numbers until I really hammer them. I'm like, you, you come back with the numbers. And I'm not talking just revenues, honey. Net. There's a word called net. It's what you're <laughs> For your family, it's what you're putting in the bank. People are, are, they aren't thinking. We all play in the revenue world and look, that's fun because that gets you some awards. That got me invited into some of these circles and the things you mentioned when I came on. Um, but really get clear on like, you know, is, is your goal to build up a huge business to sell? And then, then your model may be totally different. Most of the people I work with, they need and want to provide a very good income for their family in their future. So we really buckle down. So look at your current business. There may be a portion of your offerings or clients who you could then take and turn that into the future of your business. That's what I did. I had programs for everybody. I had a mastermind for you and your dog. I had <laughs> levels. We had $10 a month CDs mailing out and I had a hundred grand diamond group. So you could see what was happening because we were getting so many people coming in. I'm like, oh, well, you guys need something too. And wait, you need something. Then I did the TV show Secret Millionaire. And I said, well, we need something for the people with no money. Like we, it was just, we were just creating stuff. And, um, and, and we were doing a lot of what was being done at the time. And I just thought I was serving everybody. Great. We'll teach everybody all this, how to start a business and grow it. And, and then that's, that is when I lost my positioning. That is exactly when I lost who I was. I lost being a leader um, because I was catering to everybody. Interesting. During this, big, oh, during this big shift, and I have to say, this wasn't easy. There were, there were mornings I didn't want to get up from under the covers. I was crying going, like, if I don't have these huge events, if I don't have, um, you know, a thousand people in this program and this and that, am I still Allie Brown? And, and that, that may sound funny to some of you, but if you've had something you're so linked your, in your identity to, and then you want to make a shift, it's very hard. And, and it's, it's your ego playing games with you. It's, it's you deciding to walk away from everything that has worked. But where I decided to focus is when I remember waking up in the middle of the night going like, okay, where, where am I untouchable? And that's working with the women leaders. And that's where no one else was going because they don't know how to coach women who are doing five, 10, $20 million a year. And I'm like, well, that's it. That's all I'm going to do now. And that's scary because that's, if, if you're doing over a million a year, you're in less than 3% of all the women business owners in the country. So wow. that's really staking a claim. That's really saying, I only work with these women. But I'll tell you, Matt, it took about a year or two. And now what happened is people started calling and saying, you know, I have friends saying it's time to work with Allie Brown because I'm at a certain level and you're the, you're the only one that we know does this. And, and it just starts to happen. So but it's that scary part of like turning the ship and then having hard conversations too with your team. You know, I had a team of 15 to 20 people and then just, you know, imagine me pulling up a chair and, and saying, you know, I think I want something different. And so I'm going to disassemble these programs and make a lot of changes. That felt incredibly selfish. That yes. felt horrible. That took me 
I waited too long to do that. And I had some people, you know, obviously still, still upset with me probably to this day. We did the best we could in transitions. I helped a few start their own businesses and they still freelance for me today. This is incredible. Talk about next level courage. This is so different than when you started your business. That was kids play. Like you were, we were so naive and excited. Like what could go wrong, you know? <laughs> and, and then once you start this stuff, there's a whole other game in your mind that like could take you years to work through. Interesting. And, and it's so easy, isn't it? Like when, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm almost going down memory lane with you and I'm sure different businesses, but a lot of parallels. Um, you know, isn't it easy when you have a new program out and it's your third program or a second workshop and now you generate an extra 200 grand in revenue and now you can hire more people. And now you can take that yeah. part-time full-time or give the volunteer a job or whatever it is. But when you decide to make a change, how do you deal with, if there is this at all, I might be making it up, how do you deal with the perception? It sounded like in some ways it could be seen as like you're, the business is down or shrinking. Now That I'm, was every rumor going around, okay. I have to tell you. Because what you yeah. explained to me sounded like same thing I'm doing. Like my gross revenues are down. My net isn't, but the gross is down, but it's purposeful. It's intentional because I've decided the same thing, to cut different programs, to take less opportunities, and to re-morph some of the structures. Can you talk a little bit about... and? as an entrepreneur, but also maybe specifically as a female entrepreneur, mm. the perception idea of, hey, business is down or things aren't going well, or if there were rumors, and I don't know, again, if that was the case oh or not. Oh my God, I got literally- There was. I wrote a whole blog post on this. It was called, and I, I had a good headline. It was like, rumors, lies, and industry goodbyes. And everyone went to read it because it was oh, talking Oh, I about, love that. I you can find that, guys, at AllieBrown.com, <laughs> I'm sure, if you search her blog. And it was a few years ago, but I had, because I had to address what happened. I'm, 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 I'm lying in bed at night, like, you know, getting a text from a friend and, and she writes and said, is everything okay? I heard that you just fired your entire team. No one knew about this yet, by the way. So someone, you know, talked to someone, talked to someone, and it was like playing operator around the world. And um, I said, what do you mean? She's like, well, someone just told me that you, you fired your whole team, whole team. Is everything okay? The only thing that had happened the day before I hadn't even gone near the whole team. I had had conversations with two people on my team that we were going to discontinue one of the programs. That is how fast rumors start and how everyone took that bit of information and turned me into a failure. That makes me want to cry talking about it right now because everyone was just waiting to see this thing fall apart. And, you know, I won't say we weren't having challenges, but like the industry was, everything that worked was starting not to work right? Like the things we're talking about. This is what smart business people do. They see the writing on the wall and make changes. You're being proactive, but getting crucified for it. Yeah. Oh my God. But they saw, and we're still in this, I think we're going to look back on this time and go, oh my God, what was that? Selfies and people doing all this stuff and everyone like chest beating online. And like, I think we're going to look back in 10 years, maybe 20, may take that long and, and be embarrassed at how we behaved, embarrassed at how we evaluated people's worth because it's very superficial right now. It's all surface. And I'm thinking, let me get this straight. I'm making a smart business decision to change some things in the company. This is, and by the way, and that's where, that's where we separate the business owners from the people who are just playing at this because they don't understand business decisions. That was a, a very smart business decision. I eliminated hundreds of thousands of dollars of monthly overhead 
within probably six months, increased my net, you know, was able to move, bring my mom down, slow down my schedule because also no one was even, no one was even thinking too, like, oh my God, she just had these beautiful babies. No one even thought of that. No one, no one thought that, my God, she may want to take a little time off. It was just a bizarre time and very indicative of how people are thinking right now. And they need to think a lot differently in how they're growing a business. Man, and, uh, incredible. Thank you. Thank you for going there too. And just, and just sharing what that's like. I love the transparency of saying it's okay to grow. It's okay to shrink. And, and ultimately the biggest takeaway I'm taking from this personally is the reminder of separating our identity of, of the person and the icon or the, whatever it is. Now you are still doing events and you still are running, you know, you have an amazing podcast, the Glambition radio show. You can find it on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast from. Um, you've been having some pretty incredible guests lately too. Tell me a little bit about, about what it's been like for you to running the radio show and do you enjoy that? Are you, I mean, I'm sure you enjoy it, you know, different ways, but um, like, are you glad that that is, do you see that as part of oh, your show. future for the business, the show oh, itself? I, I started the show in 2014. Okay. So I still had the big team. I remember this conference call and I, I, I was creatively starved. And this is another indicator, by the way, that you're in burnout when you're feeling like you haven't done anything creative. And I realized I have about, I have about a three-year creative cycle, which means something new's coming. <laughs> so like I'm behind the scenes working on some really cool stuff right now because I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Like the kids are going to be going to first grade. I have all this energy, lost the baby weight, rocking it. I am posting selfies because I'm looking good. You know, <laughs> going, going, with, going with it. So the show though, I remember the conference call, I'm on with the team and I'm saying, I want to start a podcast. They're like, great, let's work out all the sales funnel. What's going to be the upsell, the downsell? I said, I just want to start a podcast because I love amazing conversations with amazing guests. I said, said, don't any of you touch it. Don't mess with it. I am just doing this. And I really pulled in just some of these amazing women I've had the privilege of meeting. I mean, just the last... um, year we've had on like Ellen Latham who founded Orange Theory. We have had Rebecca Minkoff, the designer. We're about to have the woman who founded Coyote Ugly, the chain of saloons. That was a fun one. Oh my um, gosh. Like, I mean, really very different that we had Beth Comstock who comes from GE, like these just amazing women and amazing stories. So that is, I have to say my favorite thing that I'm doing and we're really ramping it up now. But, um, you know, I've kind of just was doing it every two weeks because that worked for my schedule and my family. And now though, we have too many great women to get on the show. So we're very excited. Nice. And I, I coach my high-end clients. I have smaller workshop style events. They're called Iconic because I want women to stop thinking about being equal and enough. And I want them to think really beyond that to like, what is your legacy work? What is your real work in the world? And I love this. This is so exciting. When you said you described it as, you know, being iconic in leadership and the way you talk, Ali, about the difference between even like business and leadership, um, it, it almost harkens back to like the victim hero mentality. But I feel like it's so mm-hmm. much more when you talk about being a leader, stepping into that and what you're focusing on. Um, what's the because I don't think I'm invited to go. I think you're, you're not, you said <laughs> offline, you're not discriminating against men. You do work with men. Um, I do. But certainly uh, 
the female entrepreneurs, like they resonate with your message. So this iconic, uh, you do in Phoenix, you do this one or two times a year, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right now it's annual. Um, and it's, it's leading to something that I'm creating. Really. I started as like a think tank to get these women in there. Um, minimum revenues are several hundred thousand dollars a year to get in that room. The average revenues in that room are over a million. So it's a, it's a, I've had women come up to me in the ladies room on a break and just look at me and say, I've never been in a room like this. That's what I want to hear. I don't care if I have 500,000 people in here. It's usually 60 to 80 of them, but it's the com- the conversations are different. It's, it's intelligent. It's grown up. It's about, um, really like they've all done this, right? We've all been there, done that this in our first rodeo. They've had their business usually several years and they're excited though to now look at, okay, what's working, what's not working. The whole process I talked about today, really, we go through that over the two days and they leave much clearer in what they're creating. So when you do the iconic leadership event, I wouldn't even call it an event maybe, it's almost... Uh, well, you said a think tank. I think that's a really good word for it. Yeah. You're going to find, you're not going to find people that are there just to listen and learn and hope that maybe you can teach them something and that'll finally work for them. This is a room of leaders that actually get it, yeah. um, are already successful. Uh, it, it sounds amazing. Um, I, I would, hopefully there, there's a room of men out there somewhere too, that I can be a part of. I like this <laughs> iconic, um, you have one coming up later in the year here. And obviously you can find out more at alliebrown.com. Listen to Glambition Radio on iTunes. You can also get, of course, get the links at AllieBrown.com. Um, and follow Allie. Follow Allie on Instagram, Allie Brown Official. That's A-L-I, Allie Brown Official. And Facebook is Allie, Brand fan, Allie Brown Fan. Uh, I'm certainly a fan. I hope you are too at this point. Allie, can I ask just a final question as we kind of get rolling here? Yes. Everything we just talked about, whether it's family, whether it's business, whether it's whatever, if you could change anything along that journey along the way, especially in business, let's talk about that. What would you change or would you leave it all the same? Mm. Oh, I hate this one. I know. <laughs> I know. Gosh, it's such a big question. I, you know, it's, it's cliche, but I think um, believing in myself a little bit younger. My, my 20s, I was doing, I tried everything. I was in publishing. I was riding my bicycle around selling network marketing vitamins. I was, I, I just... I, you know, but I, I wish I saw that as it, it was play. It was trying things on, but I wish I had believed in myself a little bit, a little bit younger and got started, I guess, cause I see all the, the startups now and everyone's like, oh, they're, you know, they just sold their company for a billion dollars and they're 22. I'm like, Ugh. you know, <laughs> if I starting a little younger, maybe. So one thing I want to do is raising my kids is really you know, I didn't grow up understanding entrepreneurship or, or being a business owner. My, my dad came home every night from running a contracting business and was exhausted. And, and I just didn't really think anything about that. I didn't, didn't think about running a business ever. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I think if I had started even earlier, it would have been even more fun, but we're having a lot of fun now. So I think everyone feels that way. Like, you know, you figure out your life a little younger, you, you would have been a little further ahead. Yeah, never too late to to gain the confidence, but certainly a little earlier would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Allie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I sure appreciate your time. I'm uh, looking forward to connecting with you again in the future. Thanks, Matt. All right, guys, that was the show this week. Allie Brown, wow, how fantastic is she? Remember, check out the Icon event uh, that she does in Phoenix for women leaders. Check out the podcast and the radio show, Glambition Radio. And all things you can find is on AllieBrown.com. That's it for the show. Have an awesome week. As usual, get out there, crush it, 
feel free to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you get this. If you're in the car, listen to this on the radio. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the rest of that stuff, and get it on demand on the device of your choosing all the time. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>